this is Spoken by Ellsworth, a Femdom Hypnosis Podcast, Season 4. This is Trapped in the Glass House, Spoken by Ellsworth. You can enjoy this story in a few ways. The first is to simply listen to the story as it's being told. Or, go ahead and find that spot where you're unlikely to be interrupted. Go through your typical relaxation and deep breathing. Be settled and open. And then, press play. Experience the story fully, as you know how, while I'm telling it to you. Either way, you're sure to enjoy it. Go ahead and maybe try it both ways. Since I was a child, I have always been fascinated with miniatures. In a world that was built on the notion that bigger was better, I often found myself seeking out the small and minuscule. Perhaps it was the idea that entire worlds could fit in the palm of your hands. Maybe that's what appealed to me. That something so small could exist within a life of its own. Watching small things gave me a sense of wonder that I had yet to discover elsewhere in my life. It had started with toys. Like most children, I owned my fair share of dolls and puzzles and stuffed animals. But it was the minuscule that always fascinated me the most. I still recall being given my first Polly Pocket. She had come with a two-story house, complete with miniature plastic accessories and shades of pink and purple and tiny imitations of furniture that wouldn't look out of place in the real world. It was like seeing my own bedroom downsized to fit in the palm of my hand. The smooth plastic and bright colors were perhaps too simplistic to create a precise replica, but it began my fascination with the existence of small worlds. Worlds that could be changed and customized and lived in. A world within my own world, completely under my control. When my mother bought me my first jewelry box, I became fascinated by the mechanics of the dancing ballerina. I watched it for hours as it twirled around and around and around a tiny, unliving human in a world of velvet and lace. My interest expanded beyond that of toys when I got older. I was an adventurous child, knees always dirtied with mud and grass stains, and the world of bugs interested me the moment I was given my first magnifying glass. 
Ants were the miniatures of the bug world. My mother had never approved of my desires to bring the world of dirt and carapaces and scuttling legs into our life of luxury. And my request for an ant farm had been vehemently denied. My mother, nor anyone in my life, could never understand my interest in the small. So I was always alone in that sense. Instead of seeking to persuade her, I improvised. The garden was a natural replica of a world within a world. Every blade of grass, every dewy leaf and silky petal was a house, a roof, a porch. Natural miniatures for nature's tiny wonders. I built my own paradise for these minute creatures, scaled down to their size. Twigs stuck together with mud and leaves became houses. Puddles of rainwater became ponds, rimmed with stones and decked with lily petals. I mixed pebbles and mud into cement and created paths that twisted through the miniature village, coaxing the residents into their new dwellings with breadcrumbs and honey. The whole thing would soon be swept away in the next downpour, but I would only rebuild it, bigger, better, recreating this miniature world of which I was the overseer. Gradually, the whole garden became a miniature creation of my own making. Perhaps that was when my fascination turned into obsession, compulsion, desire. I needed to hold these tiny worlds in my own hands. I needed more control. The ants and beetles and bugs that lived in these houses would never stay, and it was only a matter of time before the entire world collapsed like a dam in a flood. Plastic dolls and ants and dancing ballerinas were no longer enough for me. I needed more. I needed you. My life changed when you appeared. The threads of fate brought us together. The miniature man and the girl who loved you. I wonder, do you still remember the first time we met? You were asleep when I found you. Curled up on my dresser one day, like you'd always been there. Just waiting for me. I thought I was dreaming at first, watching you with a mild sense of wonder and awe, wondering if you were real or a figment of my imagination. You look so doll-like, with your tiny cotton-soft curls of hair and velvet clothes, your tiny angelic face 
so pristine and so perfect. But then, I saw your chest moving up and down, and I knew you were alive. You were real. Not a plastic imitation, but flesh and blood, like me. I picked you up and nestled you in the palm of my hand and you awoke, staring at me with those bright blue eyes, like tiny sapphires. And we looked at each other in mutual wonder and astonishment. You nestled in my hand like a baby bird. You did not speak, but you did not need to. I saw the emotions as they passed through your face, the minuscule emulation of surprise and trepidation, and then finally relief, that you now belonged with me, because with me, you would always be safe. Your first residence was the dollhouse that I had owned since I was a child. It sat in the corner of my bedroom, a miniature model of the house I lived in, complete with tiny wooden staircases and glass chandeliers made with individual crystals. I suppose you would be quite happy there, in a world scaled to your size. But once the doors were closed, you were lost to my sight, hidden behind brick walls and ivy trellises. I peered through the windows to watch you, but it was too dim inside, and some of the satin curtains were perpetually drawn, obscuring you from my gaze. It was no good. I wanted to see you to observe you, living in a world of your own size. You would sometimes wave when you saw me peering through the latticed casement windows. Sometimes you would smile, but it still wasn't enough. I needed you in my sight at all times. Somewhere I could watch you, admire you, I used most of my allowance that month to commission a new house for you, one where we would both be happy. A glass house. The front partition of the house was made entirely of glass, clear and crystalline, a perfect doorway into your miniature life. The rest of the house was exactly the same. The same wood paneling and chestnut furniture and crystal chandeliers. The wall at the back was instead a screen, detachable, so that I could replace it with backdrops of my own choosing. I thought, since you could not see the outside world, that I would bring it to you. Fields of red poppies, mountainous valleys and trickling rivers. Just think of all the wonderful places you could see from the comfort of your own house. 
The new house replaced the old one in the corner of my room, beside the window, so that you could feel the summer breeze. From the comfort of my bed or armchair, I could watch you day and night, my perfect little pet. I bought you new clothes from a bespoke seamstress made from the finest fabrics, tailored precisely to your size. You chose what you wore every day, from black suits to velvet robes and silky pajamas. You were living a life of luxury, flawlessly customized to fit your miniature world. Wasn't it all just so perfect? I brought you food and water from the kitchen and tiny ceramic bowls and cups and watched you sit at the dining table and break tiny pieces of breadcrumbs and dip them in bowls of jam and honey and sip water and milk from a cup that was smaller than my fingernail. When I tapped on the glass to get your attention, you would walk up to me and smile and wave and sometimes you would pull faces that made me giggle for hours. And sometimes I would find you tapping on the glass your tiny fingers barely making a noise as you sought to capture my attention. Sometimes you would point to your empty bowls and I would gather more food from the kitchen or show me a tear you sustained on one of your coats, which I would sew it up with as much care and precision as I could muster. You liked hearing the birds singing outside the window and sometimes I would prop open one of the windows so that you could smell the honeysuckle in the garden and feel the dew in the air after a rain shower. You were a delightful companion that put those plastic miniatures of my childhood to shame. You were a living, breathing embodiment of my own fantasies. You were perfect. So I'm sure you can imagine my devastation the day you disappeared. Somehow, one of the windows had been forced open from the inside. The wooden casement spiderwebbed with cracks, the outside latch hanging loose. I thought perhaps it had been an accident. Perhaps you had fallen and broken the window by mistake. After all, why would you have forced it open yourself when you had everything you could ever want inside the house I had given you? You wanted for nothing. You did not have to worry about food or shelter or money. I provided you with everything you could ever want. But when I opened up the glass and peered inside the sullen, empty house, the cracks in the window were deliberate, and I knew you had done it yourself. Were you so miserable 
with your perfect life. I thought perhaps your escape was merely an act of mischief and childish whimsy. You wanted to trick me, to prove that you were capable of more than the motions of daily life. Perhaps you wanted to sow doubt in my mind, show me that I was careless, that I could not be trusted to keep you safe, because I wanted more than anything to keep you from harm. My biggest fear was that you would get lost or hurt in a world that was far too big for you. You had never been outside your glass house and were oblivious to the dangers that awaited you beyond the walls you lived behind. What if you were trodden beneath scurrying footsteps or fell through a crack in the floorboards or struck by a falling object. You are too small to be seen by inattentive gazes, too small to survive my world unscathed. How lonely you must have been, dwarfed by everything around you, lost in a world that was not designed for a being of your size. The moment you realized that, I knew you would come crawling right back to me. You would understand that the luxury I afforded you was not the norm in the cruel open world where bugs were trampled and toys were broken like they meant nothing. I knew in my heart that you would come back to me because you meant everything to me. But still, I could not risk you meeting any harm as you ventured beyond the glass house. I searched for you, high and low, beneath carpets and dressers, and the pockets of my garments, behind the pots and pans in the kitchen, but you were nowhere to be found. You had disappeared like a wisp in the night tumbling into a world that was not made for you. You had fooled me. I knew you were hiding somewhere I had not thought to look. You were proving that you could be smart, resourceful. But so was I. I set a trap of my own with the intent to lure you back to safety. I opened the window in the drawing room, right above the honeysuckle. I knew you would be drawn by the scent, by the promise of the dewy air and the melodic bird song. Then I waited. Concealed within the shadows, I waited for you to appear, to fall for the lure that I had set. And then, there you were, climbing the thick velvet curtains of the drawing room up to the open window. I watched you for some time, watched your tiny limbs scrabble up the fabric, growing closer and closer to the open air. I wondered, briefly, if you really would leave. As simple as that, 
climb through the window and disappear from my life forever. But I knew you wouldn't. This world was not made for you. You needed me to keep you safe. As you scrambled onto the windowsill, pulling yourself up by the rope-like tendrils the plant basking in the sun, I stepped out of the darkness. You heard my footsteps echoing across the floor and turned, your bright sapphire eyes catching mine. I thought I'd lost you, I said breathlessly moving towards you. Your lips parted, but not a word came out, as it never did. Did you not possess the ability to speak? Perhaps you could not understand my language, even though I spoke to you often through the glass. You glanced back over your shoulder, the scent of honeysuckle and rose dancing on the breeze and your shoulders slumped. You had accepted defeat in this game of ours. I had outwitted you with my clever trap. I gathered you back into my hands, smoothing out your unruly curls with my fingertips and straightening the edge of your jacket. What are we going to do with you? I whispered as though talking to a child, someone who did not understand the consequences of their actions. You sat down in my palm and turned your back to me. Like a child, you did not like to be outwitted, to be proven wrong. When I returned you to your house, you continued to sulk. You would not come when I tapped on the glass, and refused to eat the food I brought you from the kitchen. I had fixed up the window so that it could not be opened from within and bolted the others so that you could not break them. Did you not understand that I did it for your own safety, to keep you from harm? You were not built for a world like mine. I could not blame you. Perhaps you simply did not understand. Life was merely a game to you, with no real-world consequences. I tried everything to coax you out of this drab mood that you had put yourself in. I brought you gifts, new clothes and accessories, and bite-sized chunks of cake and pastry that I bought myself from the patisserie in town. Nothing worked. You still refused to eat, to interact. You grew boring, spiritless, uninteresting. No better than the plastic dolls of my past. But I would not give up on you. You just hadn't seen the truth yet. You were still caught up in your childish outburst. You did not know how much you meant to me, how much I relied on you. You were everything I'd wished for. I had to make you see. 
I had to show you what you were missing out on. So I covered you up. I placed a thick woolen blanket over your glass house and left you in the dark. You could not see me, nor I you. It pained me to be away from you like this, but I had to make sure you understood how much you meant to me. On the second night of keeping you in darkness, I awoke to the soft, barely audible taps of your fingers against the glass. Then you started scratching, like an animal in a cage, your nails raking over the glass in an excruciating manner. Were you so desperate for my attention? Had you finally realized what you would be missing had you jumped out of that window? You needed me. You wanted me. Just like I needed you to stay here with me. You were mine, and I could not let you go. You scratched and tore at the glass all night, and in the morning, when I finally uncovered your glass house, I found you curled up asleep on the bathroom floor, your cheeks pressed to the cold tiles. Your eyes were hooded with shadow, and the glass was streaked with blood your blood. You had hurt yourself for me, torn your fingernails to shreds to gain my attention. Did I mean so much to you? I woke you with a gentle touch and bandaged your hands with soft ribbon. I prepared you a bath of warm water drizzled with rose-scented soap and brought you a feast of delicacies taken from the kitchen. I combed your hair and laid out a warm woolen jumper for you to wear once you had finished bathing. Because now you understood, you needed me. You did not need to worry about or rely on anything else so long as you stayed in your glass house. You had everything you could ever want right here with me. I could see the relief in your face now that everything was back to normal. Now that you've seen what it was like without me, trapped in the darkness, you appreciated everything I gave you. We ate breakfast together, and I spoke to you while you lounged on your bed, snacking on bread and jam. Sometimes I would play music and watch you dance, like a ballerina in a music box, spinning around and around and around. I made you books, stitched together with pretty illustrations, and learned how to crochet so I could make you a blanket or a scarf when the weather grew cold. Sometimes I caught you gazing at my bedroom window, and I would close the curtains, 
and put another pretty backdrop at the back of the house for you to look at instead. You were irreplaceable, unique, and I would let nothing happen to you that might jeopardize your place in my life. I would never, ever let you go, for you are mine and mine alone.